The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 10, Dr. Richards sends Polanski back in time. He said as he turned on the public address system. This is Hudson Control. He looked up at the digital countdown clock above the boy. At 15 minutes and 52 seconds from flight, Dr. Hudson reports that Mr. Polanski's exit is operational. Control has communicated to Mr. Polanski on channel one. Polanski reports that he is feeling well and all is positive for the flight. He looked at the various monitoring groups on his board. Approaching the end of vacuum sequence 12, number 18. All systems are positive for flight. This is Hudson Control at mark 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Richard smiled on the morning of his ultimate triumph. I wish you the best of luck, Mr. Polanski. When you return, you will be as famous as Christopher Columbus or Neil Armstrong. You will have accomplished the first. Your country will appreciate your courage. Richards had no idea that Dr. Hudson was sending Polanski to Camp David to undo the entire project promulgated by Dr. Richards. Thank you, Doctor. I will try and live up to your great example. He rolled his eyes. We are ready. He said as he opened the field in the rear wall. He motioned for Polanski to go forward. Polanski waddled into the red field, followed by the other men. He was very much afraid for his own life, and he wondered whether this entire operation would work at all. And if it did work, he would be in the midst of the security at Camp David. Have you been briefed on the actual flight, Joe? Dr. Hudson explained some of the aspects of it, yes. You will be traveling directly under the desert floor in a circular tube. The tube has a diameter of 25 miles, and you will be suspended by a complex array of energy fields. At full push, you will be at one revolution per one hundredth of a second. What? exclaimed Polanski. You won't even know that you are moving, said Richards, as something beeped and they came to a stop. He opened the field and the spacious interior of the main sequence appeared. They stepped into the room and all the techs stood at attention. Richards moved with Polanski along the wall under the master control. They had planned some ceremonies before the flight. We are proceeding toward the gray cubicle in front of the tube. You will be going back to a period that is roughly 100 years in the past. And we can't take any chances on you changing history. Polanski's boots were not made for the slick type of surface, and he came close to falling several times as Richard stepped up to the microphone. The applause stopped almost instantly. Fellow workers on Project Hudson, he said extemporaneously as Polanski and Hudson stood alongside of him. We only have a few minutes to speak. Today is truly a great day for all of mankind. Before the sun has set on the prodigious red rocks around this complex, we will have sent a man back through time and returned him to the present. Hail the time traveler! He shouted into the microphone. All of you deserve equal justice for the magnificent effort that you have put into this project. I thank you and your country thanks you for all the work you've done in mankind's greatest endeavor. Hail the endeavor. 
Finally, in a few days we shall reap the harvest of our labors, and we will establish a new order for humanity on this planet. Hail humanity! He cried as he waved his arms. He seemed to be working himself into a frenzy. And now, Mr. Polanski, you will step into the station. I wish you a safe and smooth journey. When you return, you will have crossed the span of the 20th century. Hail Polanski! He felt the hair in his skin rise as if a cool breeze had just trickled over his body. You may go into the decontamination station now, Mr. Polanski. Richard shook Polanski's glove and Polanski shuffled over to Dr. Hudson. Dr. Hudson, I thank you and the world thanks you. He walked through the open doorway. He could see the long window in the rear wall. The curtains were open and some type of security force were viewing the ceremony from behind the sloping glass. He could see some light from the outside window reflecting into the seminar room. Then he panned the many consoles below. Dr. Hudson looked into the station and slowly raised his thumbs into the air. Polanski returned the gesture with the bulky thumb of his right glove. Dr. Hudson closed the massive metal door and the room went dark. The green light inside the station was kept on only when it was not in use. The only light he could see was from the lighted controls on his wrist. The remaining images from around the main complex danced in the dark before his eyes. Joe, can you hear me? Sure, I can hear you. Loud and clear, Doctor. Very good. The first action we will take will be removal of all the air from the inside of the cube. It will assure us there is nothing wrong with the pressure in your suit. Shortly thereafter, the door to the cube will itself be activated. When the door opens to the tomb, you will walk in because the pressure is equal. I understand. The air around Polanski's suit was slowly sucked from the station. Soon all air had been taken out of the cube. He could hear one of the techs report. Vacuum procedure completed, Doctor. Joe, move around in there as strenuously as you can. Plansky ran a few steps to the front with his hands extended. Your suit is working properly. Make sure that your visor is in place because I'm about to activate an intense scan of energy rays. Visor is in place. Plansky still was very apprehensive. Activate electromagnetic rays. Plansky could not sense that the cube was now filled with invisible rays along the electromagnetic spectrum. Cold chills ran down his spine as he thought about the consequences of that action stepping into some time tube. I understand. Number 27. Richard said. Activate tubular field separator. Polanski saw a pinpoint of light grow to a diameter of approximately five feet. Then the glowing light of the tube formed all around him, casting shadows like a full moon. He waddled over to the opening, taking great care as he lifted his leg inside. He secured it in the tube and then pulled the rest of his body through the separation in the field. He stood upright inside the infinite tube and looked around. The visor reduced the intensity of the light. I'm in the tube, Doctor. Very good. I want you to walk ahead. I understand. 27. Seal separation. 
Klansky turned around and the dark opening to the cube melted into white light. He felt totally alone. Sealing completed, Doctor. He walked slowly into the infinite span of white light. He could hardly believe this was taking place at all. Four months before, he had been a small-time newspaper writer in a desolate town, and now he was in this mammoth chamber, ready to be hurled through time and space. He tightened his muscles around his brows as he thought about that trip through time, his mind filled with images of his family also, and he knew they'd be proud of him for making such a journey. But he also contemplated the possibility of death, the distortion of his body, like his friend Harvey. He trusted Dr. Hudson could make it work. When he thought about Richard's vast plans, the future of the world is at stake. Joe! Yes, Doctor? Keep walking slowly, Joe. Everything is so monotonous here, it's hard for me to judge. As long as you're away from where you were, just keep walking. 36, activate magnetic field. Field is closing. Joe, in a few seconds, you'll feel like this field is pushed against your suit. I can feel it now. Good, good. I want you to act like you're swimming, said Hudson. You're the doctor. He moved his arms about, and to his great surprise, he was actually moving around the tube. Apparently, he was disrupting a particular area of space by moving his arms. The field has substance, as you are no doubt aware. Yes, absolutely phenomenal, doctor. As you push, the space behind you is immediately filled by the field. Eventually, gravity will sink you into the field if you stop moving. This is what I suggest you do at this time. Well, this is a very pleasant experience, actually. Added Polanski as he closed his eyes and enjoyed the sensation of slowly drifting downward from the pull of gravity. Our senses indicate you have touched bottom, is that correct? That is correct. In approximately 30 seconds, you'll feel a tingling sensation outside of the suit as we activate the compensator. Whatever you say, Doctor. Number 19, activate CSC. Activate and closing. The white light of the tube became slightly darkened by the presence of a thousand multicolored particles which were closing in from both sides of the interior. Each bubble was about the size of a baseball and Polanski could feel himself rising in the tube. This is unbelievable. He said as he pushed his body against the suit, 
forward, forward. He felt a forward effect to a greater degree now, but the floating sensation was still there. The constant churning of the multicolored particles in front of his eyes was a unique experience. I seem to be going faster, Dr. Hudson. That is correct. You're now traveling at a speed exceeding 200 miles an hour. Oh, well, I feel like I'm slowly floating through these bubbles. You have just completed the first revolution, Joe. Feels like I've only gone a few hundred yards. In the background, Polanski could hear Richards broadcasting everything over the public address system. One revolution. Polanski has gone one revolution as our sequence begins. This is Hudson Control at 8 minutes and 15 seconds into the flight. Subject has completed first revolution at precisely 8 minutes. He reports it all as well. The energy fields are passing him. His acceleration is 250 miles per hour. This is Hudson Control at Mach 8 minutes and 30 seconds. Joe, 12 minutes from now, the tunnel will be completely formed. We will activate a critical maneuver that will increase the pressure around the unit. Strange as it seems, the internal pressure of the tube will be billions of pounds per square inch. But like the acceleration, you will hardly notice the change. You will feel the immediate pressure. It will be substantially less as you accelerate forward through time. In other words, enjoy the ride, laughed Polanski. That's right, said Dr. Hudson. Polanski envisioned himself as a tiny object zipping around under redstone and the rest of the sun-baked desert floor. He deemed such speeds impossible, but here he was. Closed his eyes and for several minutes he floated through the bubble-like fields. Polanski questioned Hudson's stability. Hudson was desperate to close down the complex, and he was willing to send Polanski in the midst of Camp David as a sacrifice just to get the note to the President of the United States. Polanski vowed that if he did get to the area, he would deposit the note and then leave through the mountains as soon as possible before getting killed. He was on the verge of falling asleep when he heard Richard's voice in his headphones. Number six, begin circumpressure rotation at my command. Mark 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Mark. Rotation commenced. Elevation is normal. On auto, Doctor. Are you still with us, Joe? Asked Hudson, who had not talked to Polanski in over ten minutes. Right here, I can feel the suit pressing against my skin. I feel slightly warmer. Perfectly normal. You will feel warmer until the pressure rotation increases the micro-push dramatically. Yes, I feel like I am going faster. I would estimate 25 miles an hour. Try 100 times that rate. No comment. I'll stick with 25. He said as the bubbles started to elongate. Slowly, they were being transformed into linear dimensions of various colors. They created an almost hypnotic effect as he traveled by the piercing lines. You should be experiencing a maze of lines at this point. Exactly. I think I'll close my eyes for a while. I was going to advise him to reach the medium macro push. In a few minutes, your transmissions will begin to run behind. Maybe only a few minutes at first, but I warn you, we will eventually lose communication with you. There will be an array of visual and physical effects, and your temperature will return to normal. I guess that's good. I'm starting to sweat. 
Number seven, macro push. Completed and accelerated. Within a few seconds, a light green circle had filtered to orange. Number 55, report on rotation. I'm getting five rotations per second, Doctor. Excellent. Go. Yes. You are searching the tube five times every second. That's incredible. Youngside's face seems to be falling away. Said Polanski as the lines were being transformed into small colored dots of light which seemed to splash like tunnel-like raindrops against his visor. Joe, I'm beginning to get a delayed transmission. This should reach you in about three seconds. I understand. You should be seeing a barrage of color in front. Like it's pelting. Polanski's return on the transmission was eight or nine seconds behind Dr. Hudson's transmission. Affirmative, I'm feeling some acceleration now. Feels like I'm going 40 miles an hour. Number 55, read out. Glad I didn't have my breakfast. Joe, listen carefully. This may be my last transmission from the complex. I would advise you to keep transmitting as long as you're able. Dots will turn into a massive color flash. The dots will transform into massive color flashes. Remember, the tool becomes dark when you are nearing your destination. Good luck, my friend. By the time Polanski had received the doctor's transmission, the flashes of color had already begun. They were irregular flashes, like the smashing of symbols they reflected off his white suit in the intervals of a few seconds. He kept talking into the microphones, but it would be hours before they received his message as it passed through the continuum that they had created. Once he reached the blackout zone, his messages would never reach the complex. Flashes are regular now, yellow, red, blue, green, another red. I have to shut my eyes, it's beginning to ache. The flashes seem to be mixing, rotating. Yeah, they're definitely rotating, like spinning paint being sucked down the drain. And I'm going down with it. It's very cold inside the suit. Said Polanski as he continued to speak into the recorder. It's completely dark now, wherever I am. Very lonely. I'm so alone. I'm in a void. Oh, it's really cold in here. I can see something above me now, like a very faint patch of light. Very faint. Cameras are still rolling. Should be able to pick up what I see, but I'll talk just the same. I'm able to see some side of lines. Could be trees. I don't know. Still see that bright spot, like a light bulb burning. Could be mountains or an outline of mountains. Something is in black and white. I'm definitely coming to somewhere. Wait, the sun. It's the sun. It has a yellowish tint to it. I see branches, treetops. God, it's cold in here. Very cold. I've landed somewhere. The ground ahead looks like snow, but I still can't see the... Can't move my suit. It's like steel. Trees are becoming brown, dark brown. Yes, they have color. The distance is purple mountains. Not exactly clear yet. Developing quickly. I'm on the slope of a hill. It's covered with snow. Trees to my left and blue sky to my right. I'm back. I see bark on the trees. Maybe oak or maple. And I see green. Yes, evergreen trees are the others. A few clouds in the sky. It looks like a good day. Absolutely fantastic. can't believe this. This thing is really happening. Cirrus clouds. Must be a cold day. The rest of the sky is clear. It's getting clearer for me. Bark on the trees is very detailed now. Sun. Too bright. 
Must be late afternoon, maybe early morning, I don't know. I can see the ridge in front of me now. One is very high, the other is sloping down from the first, and then up to a higher ridge, covered with leafless trees. Must have snowed last night. I have movement, I can move now. I can move, I'm here. I've been transported somewhere. I don't believe it. I'm here. I'm sitting in the snow and I'll get out of the suit. Polanski pushed the blue button on the wrist panel and the helmet popped from its lock. He twisted it off and felt the cool mountain air filter into the helmet. With great care, he moved the helmet over his head without disrupting the unit. His first impulse was to get out of the suit and he unsnapped the metal collar. Quickly, he unzipped the many layers of the suit and stood upright. He squirmed out of the suit as it dropped to the snow. Although the temperature was low, his insulation from the jumpsuit kept him warm. He re-zipped the suit and snapped the collar back in place. The helmet had fallen to the back of the limp suit, but it was still connected by wires. He put it in place and the suit inflated to its puffy shape. He turned it over and unzipped the top pouch above the power pack, lifting out the radio in the map of the area. He had to move quickly. He unzipped the opening that led to the units in the backpack. He reached inside and, and pushed a number of buttons hoping to eject the tape cartridge of the recorder. Quickly, he reached for the wrist panel and shut off the machine. Pushed the buttons inside again as the tape flipped out. Ten hours should be near dawn when you arrive. Next to the radio is a map of the area and arrival and time and path of the President's helicopter. If I am 100% accurate, you should have roughly two hours, hopefully less, to get to the open area where his helicopter will land. That time will be exactly 7.30. Join us next time for another exciting episode of The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theater of the Words.